This morning, my topic is, He shall lift you up. And I'm, I'm a living testimony of what God can do. God gives us a second opportunity, a second chance, and praise God for that. What, but I, I, I was struggling. You know, I was, I was having problems, and, and I'd get home and, and say, God, God, please, Lord, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I've, you know, I've done the same sin over and over and over and over and over. And finally, finally, God led me into an incredible realization it's all about him it's all about him and and i ended up writing this particular book and then after some time it was republished i added a little more to it and then i continued to study and as i shared with you you know i ended up marking my bible all the place that talks about the power of god and the desire of god to transform us desire of god to change us and wow by the time i got done a lot of my bible was was highlighted then I went to the spirit of prophecy and the same thing. I found it was so incredible. I, I, I just couldn't begin to fathom all that she talks about, about changing our lives in this life, in this life, not pie in the sky someday in the future, now. And so today's study is kind of the, that culmination. All week we've been working toward that. And, and you will see certain quotes that I've shared with you during the week. I feel they are so important. So important that, remember what I told you yesterday, it's like the army. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, and then tell them what you've told them. So it, it begins sinking in. I hope for each one of us, this sinks in, in a tremendous way. <clears throat> he, Jesus, urged upon men the necessity of prayer, repentance, confession, and the what? Anybody this morning? This is participatory here. Can you see it, or is it up? All right. They're a little slow this morning. It's early morning, okay? Let's start it over then. He urged upon men the necessity of prayer, repentance, confession, and the abandonment of sin. Now, Charles Finney, who is known kind of as a, the, the modern revivalist, said to persist in sin is not to abandon it. To persist in sin is not to abandon it. And Jesus urged us to abandon sin. Put it away. Get rid of it. Because it destroys us. It, it, it tears us apart. And he loves us too much to allow that to happen. For our God, Hebrews says, is a consuming fire. A consuming fire. And all who will submit to his power, the Spirit of God, will consume sin. And all who will do what? Submit. There is our key. Submission to God. Submission to become a servant of God. And all who will submit to His power, the Spirit of God will consume sin. It'll burn out sin in every crack and crevice of your life so that when Jesus comes, you'll be shining for Him and you will not be consumed. Only those who do not allow God to to change them now will be consumed. It's, it's, It's a natural outcome of the situation, unfortunately. When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and shall have purged the blood of Jerusalem from the midst thereof by the spirit of judgment and by the spirit of burning. And I will turn my hand upon thee and purely purge away thy dross and take away all thy tin. I shared this with a a friend and he wrote me back. He said, oh, you misspelled the word there. Uh, You left out the S and put in a T. I said, no, that's, that's actually the text. Tin, you know, it's God wants to... Like the foundry, get rid of all the impurities within us. And sin is an impurity. 
Remember the lady caught in adultery. They bring her there. They want her stoned because, man, she is filthy. She's evil. And they cast her before the feet of Jesus. And Jesus begins writing in the sand. And pretty soon all the, all the leadership of the church, oh, wow, that's my sins he's writing. Poof, they're gone like a, like a light. And all of a sudden, Jesus says to the lady, you know, where are your accusers? She looks around. She says, well, there aren't any, Lord. And he says, neither do I condemn thee. That's justification. That's justification. God wraps his righteousness around us and takes us exactly where we are at that moment. But then, like a good parent, he doesn't want to leave us there. What's the next thing? You go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Now, either that's just a, that's just a vile trick on his part to taunt this woman, or he really meant it. Is there any other situation in the Bible? How about our fellow at the Pool of Bethesda? Pool of Bethesda, there he is, paralytic, can't, can't get to the water's edge. And Jesus goes up and says, take up your bed and walk. Wow, it, it invigorates this man. He jumps up and he runs to the temple. Anytime you have an encounter with God, going to the temple to praise God is a good thing to do, isn't it? Good thing to do. And he's out there praising God and Jesus finds him in the temple. And what does he say to him? Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon thee. Sanctification. The changing of the life, not just wrapping the righteousness around you in justification, but the sanctification of the Holy Spirit coming in, burning out the sin in your life, and transforming you into God's own image. Christ always separates the contrite soul from sin. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He has made provision that the Holy Spirit shall be imparted to every repentant soul to do what? Oh, that was weak. To do what? To keep him from sinning. You can put your name in there. To keep Jim, to keep Harold, to keep Susan, to keep Faye. Whatever your name is, you can put it in there to keep you from sinning. That's what God's desire is. No conversion is genuine, which does not change both the character and the conduct. You can't have justification without sanctification. Character and the conduct of those who accept the truth. The truth works by love and purifieth the soul. Truth purifies the soul. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me in my throne. This, this statement just still blows my mind every time I read it. It is so incredible. God is going to allow us to sit in his throne. Can you imagine the creator God of the universe who rules all eternity says, hey, you're going to sit with me in my throne. Hard to even imagine. Us poor sinners. But that's what God has in store for each one of us. That's, he wants to lift us higher and higher and higher and higher. Amen. It is His purpose that the highest influence of the universe emanating from the source of all power shall be theirs or ours. We are to have power to resist evil. Power that neither earth nor death nor hell can master. Power that will enable us to overcome. Can you say hallelujah to that? I hope you believe it this morning with all of your heart because it's true. God never lies. Only the devil lies. Only the devil is the one who tells us we can't. We can't. It's impossible. It can never happen. 
That is the lie. This is God's truth. I'll give you power to enable you to overcome, to sit with me in my throne. That's the power of God. Being then made free from sin, Romans 6.18 says, you become the servants of what? Righteousness. You become a servant of righteousness because God sets you free from sin. Not in sin, from sin. Big difference. Amen. This, I, I never appreciated psalms. Uh, this, I mean, uh, uh, the, the shepherd psalm until I, I read this and I'd been studying this. He restores my soul. He leads me where? Paths of righteousness. In paths of righteousness for his namesake. He is looking to hold up a people to the universe and say, see, they love me with all their hearts. They will follow the lamb wherever the lamb leads. They'll, they'll go with me and do whatever I ask. Devil, you were wrong. You lied from the beginning. And here is the people. You are the one he's looking for to vindicate his name before a watching universe. Amen. There's my favorite quote. Christ Object Lessons, page 333. As the will of man cooperates with the will of God, what happens? It becomes omnipotent. That would take a lot of thought on each one of our parts to what that really means. What that really means in your own personal life. Will of man, will of God, equals one omnipotent will. Wow. I am, Jesus said. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. All this comes and, and connects with you to become one. And you have then the truth, the power, everything that God has. Whatever... How much? Whatever. Whatever is to be done at His command may be accomplished. How? In His strength. All His biddings are enablings. Hallelujah to that. It is the will of God to cleanse us from sin, to make us His children, and to enable us to live a holy life. Where, where do we see ourselves in that? Is there any works involved in that? No, it's, it's God is going to cleanse us, God is going to make us, and God is going to enable us. It's all God. It's all about Him. It's all about His power. The devil continually tries to blind us about the power of God to do in our lives. Jesus said it there to Nicodemus three times, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. You must be born again. You see, there's a problem with the first birth, so you must be born again. Now, when you're born again, you've got a whole new being, right? It's not the same old one. No, it's a whole new being. You die in the baptismal tank. Now, unfortunately, not everybody is dying nowadays. But you're supposed to die in the baptismal tank. The old man is dead. You're resurrected to the new man in Jesus Christ. God is now living in you and begins making changes day by day, moment by moment in your life. And do not be conformed, Romans 12, 2 says, to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Oh, we have been so conformed to this world. We've been so sucked in with the, everything here on planet Earth. Brothers and sisters, realize we've got to change. 
We cannot have business as usual. We are in the last moments of earth's history. I'm so convinced of that. We are at the edge of eternity. We know, we've talked about this this week, Jesus wanted to come in 1844. Then 1888 to about 1903, he wanted to come again. Everything was in place. The latter rain was beginning to be poured out. The loud cry was starting, and we would not. Here we are again at the borders of the eternal land. Be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Don't be conformed to this world. That takes a dramatic alteration. When we're here, when we're surrounded with it moment by moment, billboards and magazines and everything in the stores and everything in life, the people around us, everything that's happening, it takes power from God to make it happen. It can't happen on our own. It's just not going to. If you think you can do it on your own, you're kidding yourself. You're kidding yourself. You'll come home just like I was, and oh Lord, I'm sorry, I, I did the same sin. Oh Lord, I'm sorry, over and over and over and over, till it made God sick, I'm sure. We've got to realize, we've got to have God in us to change. Transformation. The word there, be ye therefore transformed, we talked about it the other day. The Greek is metamorpho, where we get our word metamorphosis. From basically, I like to say, from a worm to a butterfly. And I asked the other day, somebody said, I asked if you, anybody here wanted to be worms, and somebody raised their hand. They actually thought I said warm, and it was kind of cool that day, so a few people raised their hand. Somebody told me later, they thought you said warm. I said, no, I said worm. <laughs> so warm is okay. We want to be hot for God, right? But we don't want to be worms, brothers and sisters. We don't want to crawl on, down on the dirt and the dust eating like the serpent, the dust of the earth. We want to fly with Jesus Christ. What do you say? Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. What, What mind was that? A mind that surrendered his own will. He says, I can do nothing of my own self. As I hear through prayer and study, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but what? The will of my Father. And we are to overcome as Jesus overcame, and here we find how he did it. He sought only the will of the Father. We need to seek only the will of our Lord Jesus Christ. The mind of Christ, he was a man of prayer. Prayer is the key and the hand of faith to unlock heaven's storehouse where are treasured the boundless resources of omnipotence. You want to be hooked into the boundless resources of omnipotence? Prayer. Prayer. That was the key Jesus spent sometimes all night in prayer. And he came forward refreshed and invigorated again to do battle with the devil. And every day, every day of your life, it's a battle with the devil. And unless you've got the armor of God, unless you've got the power of omnipotence, you're going to be beaten. Plain and simple. But you don't have to be because God has it all right there for you. The part you need to do is choose and reach out and take it. The mind of Christ, he knew and applied God's word in everyday situations. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's how he defeated the devil right there out in the wilderness. Bam, the word of God. And the devil had nothing else to say. Remember in my own personal testimony, there was God and the devil debating over me and the devil would say things and God would say something, the devil would shut up. He had nothing else to say, he couldn't. He couldn't. None. And this is, this is so beautiful now. If some of you are sitting out there, some in the sound of my voice, 
are thinking, I just can't do it, it's too much for me, and I'm too bad, I, I've just done too much against God. Listen to this, none, how many? None are so vile, none have fallen so low as to be beyond the working of this power. Hallelujah, praise God. In all who will submit themselves to the Holy Spirit. A new principle of life is to be implanted. God implants the Holy Spirit in our lives and restores the lost image of God. Wow. <laughs> that is just so absolutely amazing. Just so amazing. I, there were times in my life when I went along and, you know, I'd read Ellen White says we'll be walking, get to heaven walking through the green fields. And everybody stops and just praises God. And I thought, I didn't really feel like that in my life. I, I, I just didn't have that, that zing and that, that kind of joy. But as I continued to study and pray and, and commit more time to prayer, and by the way, I shared with somebody yesterday um, the prayer situation. There, there are times, you know, that I go to bed and it's nighttime and I'm praying, Lord, thank you so much, and, and Lord, please bless my food. And I go, Whoop, wait a second, this is not dinner time, I'm going to bed, you know. My mind would just wander everywhere. And I, I heard somebody talk about journaling. And so I thought, well, journaling, you know, get, get a, a book and start writing out my prayers. And I began to do that. And I'd start out with just praising God. And um, one old preacher one time says, he says, you know, he says, if you can't think of anything to praise God for, hold your breath for five minutes and then start again. I began praising God, writing out all these things, and then pretty soon I'd get into, Lord, forgive me and wash me and cleanse me and make me a new creature in you. And then my mind and heart and life were fit. Then I could start praying for others and interceding for others at that point. And that began making a difference. It was so incredible because my mom and dad, we'd prayed for them and we'd worked on them for, for years and years and years and years. One day we're driving in the car with them. We're up in Oregon driving in the car. We go past a yard sale. My mom said, well, this was on Sabbath, actually, we're driving with him. I said, well, I guess we're not going to be doing those anymore. What? And uh, she leans forward to my dad in the front seat, said, should we tell him, honey? He said, oh, I guess. And he said, well, we've decided we're going to be baptized. I'm like, Amen. you know, they're seven, in their 70s. And they're in, they were in their 70s. You know, I said, hallelujah, praise God. I said, well, maybe you should study then. Huh? Yeah, we'd like to do that. And, and so we began sending them various studies and they just got so excited, you know, and it was just such a thrill. All of a sudden, when, when you get the focus correct, when you get it all right, God is able to answer prayer in your life. You, you not only change your own life, but, but you begin changing the lives of others. Now, you remember Jesus went clear across that, that sea to get to the other side to meet this old demon-possessed guy. Man, I mean, he was shackled, he was chained. We talked about it the other day, just, just he didn't want anything to do with religion, he didn't want anything to do with any kind of restraint. But God came there specifically to get to that man, to, to touch the heart of that man. 2,000, at least, it looks like at least 2,000 demons in that man. 2,000 demons. And Jesus told him, get out of here. Get out of here, and they could not resist. That's what we need to understand. They couldn't resist God saying leave because deep down we're told in the heart of this man he wanted deliverance. He yearned for it. He wanted to submit at that point in time. Finally, he'd gotten to the point. He said, I want to submit my will to you. He couldn't even say it. But God could read his thoughts and knew and he said, demons, leave. 
And so this man, there he was, clothed then and in his right mind. Young boy coming out of church, he's bouncing and he's saying, hallelujah, hallelujah. And somebody said, man, you've lost your mind, kid. And he said, yes, got the mind of Christ now. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> the will is the governing power in the nature of man. Here's where the, the rubber meets the road, bringing all other faculties under its sway. The will is not the taste or the inclination, but it is the deciding power which works in the children of men unto obedience to God or unto disobedience. The will is the power of decision or choice. So here it is. This is your part. This is your part. The will, choice, decision. Which way do I go? It was from the Father that Christ constantly drew the power that enabled him to keep his life free from the spot or stain of sin. It was this power that enabled him to resist temptation. Remember Jesus there in the garden? Father, he, he, you know, a young man in his early 30s, what young man wants to die? Father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. This is where the real battle was fought. This is where it all happened. Yes, it was, it was tough on the cross, but this is where the real battle for you and for me was fought. Father, I don't want to do this. There's got to be some other way. Please, Father. But not my will, your will. For you and for me, again, there's the choice. Our will. Our will is the governing power of the mind. Our will is what controls everything. Are you having problems? Are you sinning the same sins? In reality, it's because you're choosing. You're choosing. Choose that day to get to know God. Study His Word. Study His Word. Fall in love with Him. And once He becomes your passion, you would rather die than knowingly commit a sin. Because you love him so much. He means so much to you. That's the situation you need to get into in order to quit the sinning every day, every moment. Now, will we continue? Oh, there'll be new things that come up all the time. The devil will throw new things. God will reveal things in your life that you need to, with his power, work on. But you don't need to keep doing the same old one. You can at least get on to the next one. When you yield up your will to Christ... Your life is hid with Christ in God. It is allied to the power which is above all principalities and powers. You have a strength from God that holds you fast to His strength. And a new life, even the life of faith, is possible to you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who what? Does the will of my Father. Not doing my own will, but the will of the Father. Those are the ones who go because those are the ones who've studied, have a relationship, and they actually know what the will of the Father is. Amen. To as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God. We've got to receive Him every moment into our lives. I was down in the Dominican Republic doing a series of meetings. I was living with the pastor, been there quite a few weeks. pastor says, Jim, he said, is there any chance you can do a funeral for me today or, or tomorrow? I said, 
why? Well, he said, I've got so many things going, he said, and, and the fellow died and they need the funeral right away. Would you mind doing that? I thought, well, I've, I've been with, you know, I've been here with the pastor quite a while, eating his food and everything. Sure, I said, I'll, I'll do it. Next day, next day I asked the, the, the pastor, I got to thinking about it because the funeral was that afternoon. I said, Pastor, was he a Seventh-day Adventist? No. Was he a Christian? No. Matter of fact, he hated Christians. And I thought, now I realize why the pastor asked me to do it. <laughs> you should ask these things before you say yes, you know. Well, I thought, oh, great. You know, oh, great. He said, but the family, you know, they're, they're, they're Adventist. And, and okay, man, by that afternoon, I'm walking over there with my Bible, and I'm thinking, what am I going to say? I get, I get there to the home, and there's people spilled out on the street. There is people everywhere, and... They usher me right in. They usher me right in and stick me right against the wall. The wall's right here, and there's the casket right there. And it's an open casket, and the old man's looking right up at me. And I'm still thinking, I still don't have a clue what I'm going to speak on. And man, I'm, I'm, I'm there, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, please help me. And finally, it's my turn, and I just preach on the second coming of Jesus Christ. I preach a powerful sermon. I ask and invite all those people to come to my meeting tonight. And, and, and see for yourself the power of God and what God wants to do in you. And you know, a lot of those people showed up. That old man who hated Christians, guess how he liked the sermon and what he had to say about it? Nothing. Not a thing. Why? He was dead. He was dead. We need to die to self every moment. Paul says, I die. How often? Daily. It is a daily situation. We've got to die every day. And if we don't, we're going to blow it. It's that simple. But if we die daily, moment by moment, and invite God into our lives, things will change. In the church, you know, the, the bickering and the fighting, it's, it's a sad thing when pastors say, you know, I'm no longer a fisher of men, but I'm a keeper of an aquarium. Brothers and sisters, we need to quit bickering and fighting in the church. If we would die to ourselves, nothing anybody says is going to bother me. Nothing that happens in the church is going to bother me. Even if the pastor says, get out of here, you're bothering us. Like the Syrophoenician woman, it isn't going to bother me because I'm dead. There's too many people in the church who have not died, brothers and sisters. And we need to give it all to Jesus Christ. We need to die to self daily. That walk to Emmaus, downhill, man, they're, they're you know the situation. These guys, Cleopas having a tough day. Jesus was crucified. All their hopes are gone. And, and it's interesting when Jesus draws alongside of them, they don't recognize him, but he begins to share every scripture about himself, to lift himself up in their eyes, to lift Jesus up higher and higher and higher. And you know that situation that happened, don't you? That that, uh, man, they said, did not our hearts burn within us when they realized who it was? You want your heart to burn in you? Get in the Word of God. The boy was converted, and uh, the, preacher, the preacher one day asked him, he said, son, how are you feeling? Oh, man, preacher, it feels like two dogs are fighting inside of me. Really, the preacher says, well, well which one is winning? Well, the boy said, the one I say sick him to. You see, this boy understood the correct use of the will. The one I say sick him to. Which one do you say sick him to? You know, which one? As long as we're here on planet Earth, we're going to be subject to temptation. But listen to this now. Temptation 
is not sin. It's only an invitation to sin. We've got to understand this. Sin only occurs when we accept the invitation. Jesus there out in the desert turned these stones to bread. Now, he had the horsepower under the hood. He could turn the stones to bread. It was a temptation to him, and he chose not to do it. He recognized it as a temptation, and he chose not to do it. Driving down, driving down the street in the summer, I don't know what it's like here, but some of these places driving down the street, you're at the crosswalk, and man, I'm sorry, but some of these ladies have almost nothing on in the summertime. Now, I can choose to first look, whoa, temptation, guys. Maybe ladies, you do this too, but I don't see many guys walking with bikinis or whatever on you know, the street, but temptation, first look. I can choose to keep my eyes focused straight ahead and let that go out of my vision, or I can say, whoa, second look is a sin. Second look, you've blown it. You can only choose to keep your eyes focused on that one because you're married to one who is so wonderful, altogether lovely, the sweetest rose of Sharon. That's the only way you can keep your eyes focused where they should be. We are in such terrible times. I was in one conference and, and uh, one pastor was sharing about how he'd been hooked on internet pornography. God had delivered him, but I could look in that audience and I could see that there were others. You know, we, we are in terrible times, brothers and sisters. The devil wants to do everything to divert you away from eternal life. He loves misery. Misery loves company. He wants you miserable. He wants you to die with him. He wants you to be burned up when Jesus comes. We've got to recognize what's going on in the desperate struggle we are in. Eve chose to continue the conversation with the devil, and then that was sin. Had she turned away from the tree at that moment, everything would have been fine, but no, she, she desired to hang around. Now Peter, Peter, you know, he's in the boat out there. They're, they're not feeling too good, but pretty soon they see Jesus walking across the water, and we're told that he was walking and stepping from white cap to white cap. <laughs> Amazing waves out there. And all of a sudden, Peter said, Lord, Lord, if that's you, tell me to get out of the boat. Now, that takes, in my opinion, some guts to get out of a boat in that kind of weather. And you've never stepped out on the top of the water before. And Jesus said, go ahead. And wow, Peter gets out and he's walking on water. This is pretty cool. Now, for whatever reason, either the waves come up between him and the Lord. He looks back and brags. Hey, guys, check me out. Whatever happened, he began to sink. And immediately, man, he's like a rock, and he yells the shortest prayer, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And you know, in that instant, in that very instant, God is right there, reaches down, answers that prayer, and grabs him. Now, we give Peter a terrible time. We give Peter a horrible time. Oh, you know, Peter, yeah, look at he He sunk, and that was it. But I want to ask you a question this morning. How did Peter get back to the boat? He walked on the water arm in arm with Jesus Christ. Peter became a water walker. He began learning how to, how to walk on water with God. With God, the one who controls everything. You can become a water walker today. You can be changed. You can be transformed. God will lift you higher and higher and higher. Behold, I am the Lord, the Lord God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Ah, well, that's a trick question, actually. And I heard nothing in the front row, and I'm not 
going to grade you down for that today. But God cannot force you to be saved against your will. That God cannot do. That's one thing in all the universe God cannot do because He's given you free will. But brothers and sisters, He emptied all of heaven to convince you to choose Him. All of heaven to convince you to choose Him. And I mean all of heaven. All of heaven. When Jesus hung on Calvary's cross, when Jesus was there in the garden saying, not my will, He emptied all of heaven to convince you to give your will to Him. To trust Him. He says, I am trustworthy. Look at I am trustworthy. Knowing this, that the old man, the what? The old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Romans 6, 6. Three chapters in Romans deal with justification. Six and a half chapters on sanctification. Twice as many on what God wants to do in and through us to change us now. Don't ask God to, give your foot, uh, to guide your footsteps if you're not willing to move your feet, brothers and sisters. You can't stay where you are. You've heard me say this throughout the whole week. You can't stay where you are and go with God. I love it when it gets so silent and you can hear a pin drop because you're thinking. And God wants us all to think about it. God wants us to, to have, have such a depth and grasp of this because then he can give us victory. Understand, crucified, the old man's destroyed then, we don't serve sin, and we live forever. We don't die now, the old man lives now, we continue in sin, and we die forever. That's the two choices we have. Are you not conscious that you are the servants of him to whom you give yourselves? If to sin, the end being death, or if to do the desire of God, the end being righteousness. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. When does this happen? Jesus is in the sanctuary. He walks out of the, the sanctuary. He's ready to come back. He throws the censer down. And this is his proclamation before he comes back to take us home. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Our eternal destiny is fixed the moment Jesus steps out of that sanctuary. When he comes back to take his people home, it is too late at that time to change anything. The traits of character you cherish in life will not be changed by death or by the resurrection. You will come up from the grave with the same disposition you manifested in your home and in society. Oh, that's scary for some. Jesus does not change the character at his coming. The work of transformation must be done when? Now. Our daily lives are determining our destiny. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to be a saint in heaven, you've got to be a saint now. Amen. And, and this is not, again, I state for those who may confuse this, this has nothing to do with works. This has to do with surrendering your will to the one who can do it all in you. And behold, I come quickly, Jesus said, and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. It's already decided. The judgment has been decided. It's all happened. And he comes back with the reward for his sheep or the goats. 
It is submission to sin that brings the great unhappiness of soul. It's not poverty, but disobedience that lessens man's hope of gaining eternal life, which the Savior came to bring him. True riches, true peace, true content, enduring happiness, these are found only in what? Entire surrender to God, in perfect reconciliation to His will. Everyone, how many? Everyone may place his will on the side of the will of God, may choose to obey Him, and by thus linking with divine agencies, he may stand where? How much? Nothing can force him to do evil. Wow. You didn't have any other statement. That is an incredible statement in child guidance. Page 209. He may stand where nothing can force him to do evil, where nothing can force you to do evil. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, James says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hand, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Hallelujah. Praise God for that. The old, old man in Haiti had a beautiful old home right on the beach and every day this young couple would walk by that home and they'd, they'd admire that house. They'd say, oh, if we could only buy that home to raise our children right here on the ocean, oh, it would be so nice. Every day, every day they walked by that house. Finally, one day they thought, oh, we, we've just got to go see. We knocked on the door. The old man came to the door and said, please, we'd like to buy your house. No, it's not for sale. It's not for sale. I'm not going to sell. This, this went on day after day after day. And finally, the old man finally said, okay, he says, I'll sell on two conditions. One, he said, uh, uh, he said, if I ever want to buy it back, I have that opportunity. And the other is, I get to keep that nail out on the, up above the front door. Oh, sure, how much then? Okay, that man, the transaction was made, and they paid the old man, they moved in the family, and they were just, they had wonderful years of joy in that house. It was just so exciting. Then one day, open the door, it's the old man. I want to buy my house back. Well, well no, I don't want to sell. We're, we're about the whole family here. We're just having so much fun. It's just been such a joy. No, we don't want to sell. Comes back again. The old man, another day, talks again. Please, I, I'd like to buy the house back. No. And then one day, man, there, 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 there's some foul smell that seems like it's coming into the house. And, and he goes, he, he's trying to figure out where this is. He's going everywhere in the home. He can't find it. He find, opens the front door, and there is a dead animal hanging at the front door off of that nail. And what is going on? He starts to reach up to take it off, and the old man's there saying, no, 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 that's my nail. You've got to be kidding me. That's my nail. That was our deal. And pretty soon the stench was so vile, so bad, they sold the house back. Brothers and sisters, one nail, one nail, one cherished sin in your life will allow the devil to hang the filthiest stench there is that will keep you out of eternity. Submission, surrender. What do you do now? Choose you this day whom you will serve. Very interesting situations in the Bible. In Acts 24, you remember Paul's in prison and he comes before Felix and Drusilla. Felix, you know, had been a slave. He bought himself out of slavery and now he's married a Jewess. She's been married before. But they're, they are, they're the real up-and-comers and, and he, is, he is kind of vicious in his rulership. 
Paul comes before them and he reasons with them righteousness, temperance, and judgment. And all of a sudden, Felix is looking toward the judgment. It scares him. It, it bothers him. He, he can see all the vile things he's done and it really, it really worries him. But then, he responds to Paul, I'll call you at a more convenient time. This, this really isn't a convenient time, Paul. And Paul appears before Agrippa. And he, he lays out the same things before King Agrippa. Agrippa thinks about it, ponders it, goes over and over and over in his mind the whole situation. And he responds to Paul, almost, you've almost persuaded me, Paul, to be a Christian. Almost. And then we find Paul there, you know, he was thrown into the Philippian prison. And he begins singing the jailhouse rock down in the, the bowels of that prison. And pretty soon the whole prison shakes and all the rocks come tumbling down. And the jailer thinks, everybody's escaped, I'm going to be killed. And he runs out. And Paul said, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. We're still here, everybody's still here. And then the amazing thing, this jailer sees the light and he says to Paul, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? Three situations, three responses. How about for each one of us? I'll call you at a more convenient time. This really isn't a convenient time. You know, I've got a new job. I've got this. This situation's going on with the family. I really don't have time to study. Uh, you know, there, there's so much demand in my time. I, this really isn't a convenient time. Maybe I'll make this full 100% commitment some other time. Some other time. You know, we may, we may walk out the doors. We may... We may do something else and say, no, 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 not right now. Or we might be like Agrippa. Say, you know, I've come this close. This close to committing. You're sitting there this morning and you're this close. Or, like the jailer, say, what must I do? I will do anything. Praise God, heaven is cheap enough. He's gotten the vision. What's your response today? What is your response today? I'd like you all, if you want to accept Jesus, if you want to say, Lord, what must I do to be saved? I'll do anything and everything, whatever it is. I want to surrender my will to you. This is our final meeting today. I'd invite you to stand. And then I wonder this morning if there's somebody that would say, Lord, I need, I need even more here. I, I just, Lord, I, I need special prayer. I need this special time. I'd like to invite you to come forward. Maybe you've, maybe you've committed to God a long time ago, but you want to do it in a new and fresh and vibrant way from this day forward. I invite you right now, from where you are, move out of your chair, move out of your area and come forward. We can put that last slide up again. Jesus Christ will lift us up. Jesus will give you a vibrant life like you have never experienced before. He has a plan for you to do things you know, the things I am doing now, I would have never dreamed possible because I don't have the mind of God. But God does. He's got your life mapped out, just waiting for you to say, Lord, whatever you want to do with me, I'm your servant, I'm your clay. Mold me and make me and shape me in your image. That's what God wants to do for you, each one of us here today. I've had a wonderful time with all of you. I'd like to... I do this because 
it gets me so excited thinking about it. The first Sabbath in the new earth is probably going to be terribly busy. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know exactly doing what, but I've got a feeling it's going to be pretty exciting, as will every Sabbath. But I'd like to make a date with all of you. On the second Sabbath, under the tree of life, I'd like to meet with you. Amen. Would you like to do that? I think that's going to be an exciting family reunion. I want to see all of you there. And by God's power, He will get us all there. Amen. Let's have a prayer, shall we? Lord, I just want to thank you so much today for your incredible love. I want to thank you, Father, for, for this camp meeting, for all these dear people, Father, your children, the ones you died for, and Lord, the ones you've lived for. Help us now, each one, you look at every heart and every life. Put your arms around us. Hold us tightly, Lord. Give us your power. Give us your strength. Help us to walk on to victory with you every moment, every day, so soon we can look up and say, Lo, this is our God. We've waited for you. And now we're going home with you forever. We look forward to that date and that time when we can be there under the tree of life, fellowshipping together and saying as we look around, Praise God, heaven is cheap enough. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.